from 88.7 FM WXDU Durham and available via podcast on the World Wide Web. This is Shooting the Bull, your weekly survey of what's happening in the Bull City, brought to you by the voices of the Durham blogosphere. The opinions expressed on this program belong to the individuals expressing them and do not necessarily reflect those of WXDU or Duke University. Good evening, folks. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at DependableErection.blogspot.com. Welcome to Shooting the Bull for Thursday, February 19th. We're glad to be with you uh, here this evening. We have uh, a bunch of uh, news to catch you all up on, including some, as Barry put it, late-breaking news that we realized we both blogged on inter- inter- uh, independently of each other a few minutes ago. Uh, so we'll catch you up on that. And uh, we're also lucky to have as a special guest here in the studio tonight an expert on one of the topics we'll be discussing uh, this week, uh, Kathy Baratan from uh, North Carolina State University, will be joining us to talk about her work with the Ellerby Creek Watershed Association and uh, share a little bit about uh, what are some of the, the broad issues and particular issues facing uh, the creeks in Durham. Stormwater is becoming a, a huge issue if you're following uh, any, any media, really, uh, in, in Durham. I know the Indy has run a number of uh, articles, and it's been a big topic of discussion. There was discussion about downtown, um, about downtown stormwater issues in the, in the news and on your blog uh, this week. But um, yeah, just uh, just moments ago, and Kevin apparently has been sitting on the story for a long time. I'm just uh, I'm just catching up on it. But uh, uh, there's there's been some uh, some issues about locating uh, the next high school in uh, in Durham, and uh, a, a huge chain of emails appeared on a local uh, listserv. I'm not sure that they were supposed to appear there or not uh, from from reading through them. Uh, but a couple of sites that are uh, are under discussion in uh, in Western Durham for uh, for uh, a, a new high school, and people uh, don't seem to want the high school to go there. Well, you know, there's always going to be controversy about a high school wherever you're going to put it, because you're talking about, <clears throat> you know, sort of like locating a, a good-sized business on a very dense part of land. You're talking about thousands of students and, and faculty, uh, teachers, and so forth. Uh, and apparently, according to my information, there's as many as 20 different sites under consideration between Riverside and Jordan, the idea being that this would be overflow for both of those two schools. But two of the sites under consideration are the corner of Cornwallis and Ellis Road, off near, I believe there's a, uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's where the traffic circle is, but it's a you know, fairly small intersection of two-lane roads, as well as the site uh, that used to contain the candle shop. The Pinehurst, uh, candle Pinehurst. shop off of uh, 15501. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, apparently um, the folks who were successful uh, in acquiring a fairly large tract of land off of uh, Irwin Road to turn into a park a couple of years ago are, uh, are not taking too kindly uh, to the idea of having a high school. Uh, put over there, so we'll we'll see how we'll see how that plays out. Like I said, I ju- I'm just learning about uh, yeah. ab- about this uh, about this today. At, at least time. at least a couple of neighborhood associations are, are gearing up for the fight. I mean, and, you know, I'm I'm of I'm a, I'm of a mixed mind on this one, Barry, because it is a it is a rural and quiet area, and so you don't want to see overdevelopment happening in that area. On the flip side, if it's such a rural and quiet area, you're living out there already. So there's 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 a couple of sides to it, but it is a very sensitive part of Durham, and there's been a lot of community activity. Uh, both at the, at the city and county level and uh, with with local neighbors to fight uh, developments, even cluster developments in the area, and to push for the preservation of land and to try and keep the character in this area very much as it has been. And a, a lot of it is controlled by Duke University as forest land, but the pockets that aren't in some cases have been have been ripe for uh, for development. My, my best guess of a name was Forest High, 
Maybe the Lumberjacks. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what we could work out there. How about, how about Rocky Mountain High or something like that? If it, you, uh, it could be a rocky road to get to this, this high school. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Um, one, one, of the, uh, one of the issues with schools uh, is, is parking. Mm-hmm. Right? And one of the issues with parking is impervious surfaces. And in, when you talk about impervious surfaces, you end up talking about stormwater. I know that um, a commenter on your blog um, came up with, uh, with a potentially uh, um, grace-saving uh, so solution for locating the high school. Um, question is, geographically, does it um, does it make sense? And we were talking about the old uh, the old Lakewood uh, shopping center. Absolutely. I mean, this was the site of an amusement park back in uh, Durham's early history. It's had a shopping center there since the beginning of suburbanization. This is uh, over near where the Lakewood YMCA is. It could turn into. Uh, which is turning into a Montessori Magnet Middle School, it would be a great location to put a high school at. And, and I, I think there's a, there's a few issues that would come up at play in this, Barry. One, one is the fact that you would end up with uh, a very dense urban high school, uh, would be multiple stories, involve parking decks. And to some extent, are you going to, A, get opposition from local neighbors, and B, are there going to be, right or wrong, parents who say, well, I'm not sure I want... You know, my child to go to that school. It would be a great location, and I think people who love urban Durham, who love Central Durham, uh, could be really excited about something like that. Which we should add is just an idea right, of a person. Right. This is not something that has has, uh, as far as we're aware of, local governmental interest. And and it does it does get uh, just there's just all kinds of issues. There are just all kinds of uh, you know environmental justice issues that come along with where do you build your new buildings? Um, you know how do you uh, how do you deal with it? Do you have Geographic issues, uh, is the school going to be too close to existing schools? Is the whole idea of putting a school in western, you know, in the western part of the county um, to, to spread out the, the burden of, uh, of where, we host, uh, where we host our educational facilities? But, you know, on the, on the flip side, the, the line that divides Jordan to Riverside, it might actually run on either side of the, of the railroad track and the ridge that divides Durham into two water basins. Uh, it's, when I've looked at houses and where their school assignments are, that's roughly South Duke Street is Jordan, North Duke Street is Riverside or Northern. So this actually would be a perfect location if you're trying to redistrict folks and, and bring them in from the Riverside or Jordan zones into a, a new school. You couldn't do much worse than Lakewood. You, say, you sound like an advocate for it. I haven't looked into the issue enough to, you know, and this is going to surprise, I think, my readers and my listeners, but I haven't looked into the issue enough to have an opinion on it yet. <laughs> Barry, what, what, what's going on, Barry? Are you, are you feeling okay this week? I had a, I had a good weekend. I went away. I enjoyed myself. I spent uh, I had an early Mardi Gras down at the beach, and uh, it's taken me a while to uh, you know become uh, become as opinionated as I was last Friday. Good, last, good for you. Thursday, so you've earned so. it. So um, let, let's um, let's talk uh, let's talk about stormwater. Let's uh, let's bring our guest uh, um, to the microphone. I want to introduce um, Kathy Baratan from uh, North Carolina State University. She is a research assistant professor in the Department of Forestry and Environmental Resources. Kathy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's it's great to have you on, and uh, we should probably set up for our readers a little, our listeners a little bit about stormwater issues in general. And I know your focus has been on the creeks and streams around Durham, but stormwater has certainly been on folks' minds uh, this week because of the discussions around uh, the Cape Fear River Basin and the fact that it turns out there's a, uh, a donut hole, as it's being called, uh, where Southern Durham has not had to comply with any stormwater standards. And then we have the the Jordan Lake uh, standards uh, coming up in. Uh, uh, potentially this year, potentially next year for implementation, depending on what happens with lawsuits and uh, machinations in the General Assembly. We'll talk more, uh, I think, on our blogs this week and maybe next on next week's program about this issue with the Cape Fear Basin in particular, which has created all kinds of, of uh, 
of uh, back and forth between developers and and uh, the city. But let's talk in general, Kathy, if we can, about stormwater. Uh, what for our listeners? What is stormwater, and why do we care about it? Um, stormwater is what happens when it rains. The the rain falls out of the sky, lands on the ground, and depending upon what the surface is on the ground, it does a number of different things. The natural surface in Durham before there was any people here was mostly forest. And what happens when rain run, falls on a forest is basically 100% of it stays put. A little bit evaporates up into the air. The rest soaks into the ground, replenishes groundwater, and very, very slowly goes to streams and provides year-round flow. You cut down the trees, you plow up the nice spongy humus, you put in a parking lot, and what happens is when it rains, 100% of the rain flows over that parking lot, picks up all the oil and gas and tire dust and crud that's on that surface and dumps immediately into the nearest low point, which Mm. is a stream. And so instead of nice, clean water slowly flowing into the stream, you get really nasty stuff flooding into that stream, causing flash floods, taking pollution downstream, and not going into the groundwater table. So when summer comes, Mm. it's dry, your wells run dry, your stream is stagnant, it's a mess. And it's the biggest cause of impairment or disruption to all surface water Mm. in North Carolina, in the country, really. And and this is is certainly an issue we saw uh, in the drought, where just because we saw more rainfall happening and the the stream flows picked up, uh, the groundwater table wasn't wasn't fully recovered. And so I think I think people got a lot more uh, awareness of these issues back then. There's been a lot of attention focused to Falls Lake and Jordan Lake uh, as the the man-made uh, drinking sources. Um, and the level of, of uh, uh, contamination, uh, uh, nitrogen and algae blooms and all these issues in these, in these lakes. Uh, but in our conversation before the show, you were mentioning that in some ways the jury may be out on these, and there's a lot of attention being paid to the lakes, but the creeks don't seem to get as much attention. They don't. The uh, issues with Fall and Falls Lake and Jordan Lake are that these are important reservoir lakes. Uh, cities in the Triangle get their drinking water. So we really care about whether or not it's expensive to get potable drinking water. Um, The streams that run through our cities are easy to ignore, Mm. but they're also um, important in terms of what they give back to us, in terms of keeping the water we drink available and clean and all the other benefits we get from it. The state regulates all of them, but there's been a real focus by the state on the legs. They also say the streams are impaired, you need to clean up the streams. But they're passing rules now about the lakes. And so Durham city staff have to respond to state regulations. And we don't have enough city staff. They have to do too much with too few people. And so all of the focus goes into trying to respond to um, what's going on in the lakes. And meanwhile, Ellerby Creek is a great example for those of you. By the way, I'm on the board of the Ellerby Creek Watershed Association. That's what I'm doing here tonight. Um, Ellerby Creek flows through north, very close to downtown in North Durham. It drains most of downtown Durham. It drains most, you know, of the, of, uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot of downtown Durham, a lot of Durham County that flows through Ellerby Creek. 
and it's severely degraded. It's a pathetic little stream. Even with that, there's beauty, there's life, there's a lot of things there. But right now, Ellerbee Creek is a little bit, little more than a stormwater conveyance ditch, taking dirty stormwater to Falls Lake. Kathy, I'm going to want to follow up a little bit on the on the politics um, that you were talking about, um, you know, with Kevin and I beforehand about um, what certain mandates come down from the state, what the city has to do, and such. But I want to I want to get uh, a little more background information here. When we talk about um, Falls Lake, uh, Jordan Lake, is all of the water that ends up in those two man-made lakes? Uh, is it all stormwater runoff? Is there is there part of um, part of the, the, the river system where water is coming down from the mountains and making it all the way down here? Does it, does it matter? I mean, is, is any of this coming from groundwater or is it all surface water runoff that, that fall, you know, flows into those lakes? I want, I'd say the vast majority of it is stormwater. In this particular, particularly Falls Lake, uh, the, the lakes that, the rivers and streams that go into Falls Lake are pretty, are, are for the most part fairly short um, locally sourced rivers. I think the Eno River may be the largest that's flowing in there. And even that doesn't go that far west of here. And yes, there's always some groundwater component, but that this is not old, deep groundwater. This is groundwater that came from the rains a few years ago that's taken a couple of years to get to the stream. So, so all of the water that's going into the Triangle Reservoirs is essentially current surface water, which has all of these pollutants that we that we talked about, whether it's road stuff or fertilizers that people are using in their gardens, running off into the streams. And one of the problems that the state um, is is one of the reasons why the state wants that problem dealt with is it becomes very very expensive to treat that water to make it potable for you know for people to drink, right? So so the state mandates that the cities and the counties take care of that problem first. Is that, is that right? Am I understanding this right? Um, I, yeah, the biggest, the state has decided, and rightly, that the biggest problem facing water in, in those lakes is extra nutrients. It's like putting fertilizer. It is putting fertilizer in the water. And under the right conditions, algae goes crazy, blooms, then dies, sinks, rots, takes all the oxygen out of the water and kills the fish. Uh, this makes the water smelly and not taste very good. It's not, doesn't necessarily make it toxic. It just, it takes a lot more money to, to make it taste good. But meanwhile, the lakes are also used for fishing. They're used for recreational purposes and people who use that don't like smelly water. So it's a mix of, of challenges there. But nutrient loading is one of the most difficult things, water quality problems to fix. We're used to fixing a factory dumping pollutants through one pipe. And a lot of our regulations were designed to deal with what's called point source pollution. Hmm. Nutrient loading is a non-point source pollution. It's everywhere. In fact, one of the problems that Durham is trying to work through with the state is that a lot of the nitrogen and phosphorus coming in Durham waters comes in from the air, not from the water. We have airborne nitrogen and phosphorus. Mm. When it rains, the rain washes it into the streams. It's not from people necessarily from people fertilizing their lawns here. It's from people fertilizing their lawns someplace else. Mm. And this sounds funny, but atmospheric deposition is a really big 
issue. Hmm. We, we don't necessarily, but you also have backyard gardeners. Golf courses have experts who kind of know when to put fertilizer down, but the weekend gardener who's going out mowing the lawn and put, over fertilizing the lawn, you know, that's a source. We also have a problem in Durham with, I uh, hate to say this, leaky sewer pipes. Mm. So deferred maintenance on infrastructure. Every time, I, I won't use names so that people don't get in trouble. <laughs> Every time certain Durham staff raise the issue of we have fecal coliform in the streams because of leaky sewer pipes, they get yelled at by people. So there's a variety of sources of these nutrients, but they're extremely difficult to, to deal with. And, and I guess to that point, I mean, I, I noticed a few years ago in the Walltown neighborhood, what I think is one of the tributaries off the creek had sewer pipes uh, dug up and replaced. But, you know, we, we just had this opportunity for federal stimulus dollars. And, you know, you didn't hear you didn't hear a lot about let's replace the sewer pipes. Every, Why does this get missed? Every, I was exactly thinking the same thing. Every city in the country, big or small, has this problem. I moved to Durham from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This was the big civic civic problem in, in Pittsburgh hmm. when we left because EPA was about to hit Pittsburgh with an enormous fine because of their sewer system. Uh, it's it's a, out of sight, out of mind. Mm. If it's under the ground, you can ignore it. And people would rather spend money on new development hmm. than on old than in refurbishing old development because you can make more money off a of new development. And I also assume you have you have a bit of a difference there because in some cases with homeowners associations you can create some responsibility for local costs. Whereas with built in, you know, pre war development, the city is sort of picking up the tab on that. Although the city usually accepts uh, transfer ownership of utility and, and road lines. But you mentioned the political problems. The underlying thing here is that we have a common good that is being uh, that it, whose condition is being impacted by individual actions. So you have a built-in conflict between what's best for an individual landowner and what's best for the community mm -hmm. as a whole. And whenever you set up that dynamic, there is a very reasonable and real conflict between, are you telling me that I can't get my money's worth out of my land? Mm -hmm. But for the common good, that often has to be done. So it's a it's an unavoidable conflict. Especially if when you do that stuff, it means that I can't get my money's worth <laughs> out of my land. <laughs> well, and what's odd about this, too, is is this sets up such odd dynamics. And I, I, mean, I, I mentioned that we'll be all talking over the next few weeks about stormwater, this discovery that South Durham wasn't having any stormwater mitigation. And you know, suddenly, uh, developers are up in arms about requirements that in places like Raleigh and Cary have been there since 2001, 2000, they've already ha been having to comply with. And somehow I think they're getting their share of the growth uh, relative to, to Durham. But but there is this real sense of it's my land, I should be able to do what I want on it. But it, like you say, Kathy, it, it impacts everyone. There's also the question of competing values. I'll, I'm going to dive into one of my pet projects right now. That's okay. I'll give you an example of uh, something. If some of you may be familiar with the Duke Diet and Fitness Center. Mm-hmm. Um, in downtown Durham on West Trinity Avenue between North Duke and Washington. Um, if you wanted to do something about stormwater in Durham, the one project that would do the most bang for the buck, you would do it in the backyard of the Duke Diet and Fitness Center. Mm -hmm. Turns out that two, uh, 254 acre plot of ground, including the heart of downtown Durham, 
the nastiest, grossest, most disgusting stormwater in all of Durham County dumps into Ellerby Creek through one stormwater pipe hmm. that runs right under the Duke Diet and Fitness Center backyard, their, their field behind, which they haven't been able to use for a long time because the pipe is leaky and it's undermined the field and it's a problem. That explains it. And that's why probably there's fencing around that now. That is indeed because it's not safe. But if you go behind there and look, you can see the big pipe and you can see the enormous amount of erosion in the creek. Huh. It's 254 acres of just muck. You could put a treatment, you could put a pond or something, you could build something in that lot that would treat hmm. that water, remove those pollutants, slow down the flow, and make a huge impact on the stream. We're having a great deal of trouble getting anyone to even think about doing this because that field is scheduled to be turned into a soccer field. Hmm. Downtown Durham, there's not a lot of open land. And so you get these things that pit interest groups against each other, and soccer fields are important. Stormwater management is important. And the city really is caught in the middle. If it, if it helps you at all, that <clears throat> that site was scheduled to be purchased by the city to turn into a rec center, but the city is having to spend that fund on uh, that that money on uh, repairing a parking deck in downtown. So it looks like Duke may still own that that facility for a while longer. That that becomes uh, that becomes an interesting issue when you talk about um, soccer because I know that for a while I was a soccer parent, and the idea of having more you know soccer facilities uh, in in town was was a huge deal because. Uh, alone among triangle communities, Durham has no soccer facility. We have a few scattered fields in different places, but we do not have what what Raleigh has, or uh, what Cary has, or you know, or Apex, or Fuquay Verena, or any of uh, any of those communities. So it, that that's a, that's an interesting an interesting conflict possibly developing. I do want to remind folks that you're listening to Shooting the Bull. Uh, I'm Barry Reagan. I'm Kevin Davis. Our guest tonight is Kathy Baratan from North Carolina State University. We're talking about uh, stormwater. Kathy, I wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to ask you when we were talking, um, we're talking, we're talking a bit about the political situation and the, the state wants the drinking water and the recreational uses of water to be prioritized when it comes to spending money and given that the city has a limited budget for doing you know this kind of mitigation you're saying that the health of the uh, of, of the local creeks suffers as a result because the priorities are to fix up the water that's in the lake would it be when we talk about bang for the buck does fixing up the streams does keeping the streams clean and keeping pollutants out of the streams have an impact as the water flows into the lakes? Does it make that job easier down the road? Funny you should mention that. In general, as with anything else, it's, it's a lot cheaper to prevent the problem than it is to fix the problem afterwards. Un unfortunately, um, our regulatory system isn't set up that way. Uh, our state government works. Everything is really a response to the old Clean Water Act legislation of the 70s and all that was developed to deal with point source pollution. And right now, we just really haven't got a system set up that can deal with non-point source pollution. So we're we're suffering from the sort of lingering effects. The, the, <clears throat> the mechanisms in place are not the right ones for the problems we're facing right now. And as I say, you know, I don't want to um, get come down hard on the Durham, on the Durham staff because they're they're in a no-win situation. Anything they do, they they get yelled at uh, for. And I'm one of the ones who yell at them, so I know that. 
so so speaking of of these issues, uh, the Ellery Creek uh, Watershed Association does do many things to try and improve stream quality. Tell us about some of the initiatives that um, the organization ha- has had going on. I know you've had a nature preserve up up near Falls Lake and in, in Northeast Durham, and I know there have been some partnerships with Duke Power and others to preserve. Uh, part of the corridor along the greenway uh, that that's adjacent to the the creek. What what's the association been working on? Yeah, um, water quality issues are actually a fairly new focus of the LRB Creek Watershed Association. Um, they've been much more interested in uh, up till now in sort of greenways and uh, native species in the plants, but it's it's hard to it's hard to ignore the fact that it is a stream and that's a very important thing. So. A couple of the things that we're doing is we have our preserves and we're trying to do more. So if you look at something like the Triangle Land Conservancy, which is putting conservation easements on properties and things like that, the lands in Durham city limits are so are are nothing that they would even look two minutes at mm. because they're little and degraded and they're city. So we we help our little urban places, which are still beautiful and have amazing things like the heron rookery that's in there. Um, so we do uh, we do our preserves, we do maintenance, we do cleanups and maintenance work. We work with the city to try to, to do planning to identify problems and uh, places where the city can do things. Part of that is partnerships on stream restoration. There are a couple of places where we've partnered with the city. Um, to get rid of, people probably don't know this, but back in the 1950s and 1960s, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers came in and decided that the most efficient shape for a stream was straight. Hmm. And so when you go to 17-acre wood, one of our preserves, or you go to uh, Pearl Mill, our other preserve, you look at the stream and it's straight line, Hmm. vertical banks, U-shape. That's Corps of Engineers at work. Hmm. And trying to get it back to a more natural shape and flow, what has more functionality then? And it can remove some of the pollutants, hmm. things like that. But not you also have to manage the stormwater. And so that's why we're working with the city to try to come up with sensible um, plans for how you do this in a city. I'm reminded of a certain Russian emperor building railroad tracks in the 1800s. When I hear that, when I hear that story, um, we're we're uh, as always rapidly running out of time. And before we go, I do want to ask you: you have uh, you have some information about a particular program, uh, which I guess is run through the county called the Community Conservation Assistance Program. Um, if you can share that with us briefly before we talk about the uh, the All walk right. through the Beaver Creek uh, Beaver Pond later. Just very uh, quickly, another partnership we have that I'm very excited about is we're working with the Durham County Soil and Water Conservation District, and they have a new urban stormwater program called the Community Conservation Assistance Program. And this is for basically residential, existing residential neighborhoods in Durham. If you put in something like a rain garden or um, cistern or some of these other approved uh, uh, projects that can manage stormwater, you apply to them. If they choose you, they'll give you technical assistance, and they'll reimburse you for a lot of the cost of, an, of putting it in. And so I, I recommend that people give a call to um, their office at 560-0558 if you want more information about this program. It's a very good program. Right, and the county's website is uh, Durham County NC. 
www.community.gov and just uh, go to that site, search on uh, Community Conservation Assistance Program. The uh, Ellerby Creek Watershed Association is at ellerbycreek.org and Ellerby is E-L-L-E-R-B-E, C-R-E-E-K. I know um, what, what got me interested in, uh, in, in talking to you was a program that uh, ECWA has scheduled for this Sunday, which is a walk through a part of Durham very near and dear to my heart, and that is the Beaver Pond uh, behind Compare Foods off of Avondale Drive, just north of I-85. Tell us quickly about that. If people want to participate in that, how do they do it? Where do they go? Who do they meet? What time do they, do they be there? Uh, Equa puts on a number of nature walks, and this one is one that I'm doing focused on stormwater. It's at 2 o'clock on Sunday, meet in the Compare Foods parking lot in the southeast corner, close to the stream. And what we're going to do is look at stormwater effects on LRB Creek, but even more interesting than that to most people is going to be we're going to look, be able to see the beaver lodge and the beaver dams and, and get just basically a nature tour of this really unique little downtown uh, place. Nobody knows it's there, even the people who live in the neighborhood. Well, people who read my blog uh, <laughs> know know that it's know that it's there, and I've I've um, I've pulled trash out of that uh, out of that pond uh, out of that pond several times. I was going to say, if we uh, it, it would be poetic justice to have one of the uh, creeps who comes along and dumps into that that uh, creek area uh, come along at two o'clock on Sunday. It might be nice for them to to see that people do care about this part of Durham. Well, I hope people um, show up for that uh, for that walk. Kathy, I want to thank you so much for um, for being our guest tonight. Obviously, we haven't uh, discussed everything that we need to talk about with this issue, but this is something that Kevin and I will be writing about uh, in the future, and I hope that we can uh, stay in touch and put some of your thoughts up on uh, up on our blogs as uh, as as time goes on. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, we're out of time here as, uh, as usual on Shooting the Bull. Uh, join us here again next week and keep up with us on the blogs. I'm Kevin Davis with BullCityRising.com. I'm Barry Reagan. I write at DependableErection.blogspot.com. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Have a good night. <laughs>